Hey, this is Bethany. And Katie. This is the Better Pleasure Podcast. And we're here to talk about the Bible and love, lust, and life. one. Um, We are excited to share with you guys a little bit about uh, our stories, why we're involved in Running Light, and then hopefully get into a little bit of a Bible study. Mm -hmm. Um, So for this intro episode one, here we go. So I'm Katie, and I got into Running Light several years back now, and um, I was interested in hanging out with a group of people that wanted to talk about the things that I was struggling with and have struggled with pretty much my whole life. Um, When I was young, probably about 12 years old, I started to get involved with guys, uh, just dating and then moving on from there. Um, And that just created this trajectory of finding value, um, finding attractiveness, in myself from the perspective of another. Mm-hmm. Um, and I met, I would say I met Jesus at a Christian Bible camp when I was little, um, but then didn't really figure out that I could have a relationship with him until I was in high school. And I got involved in this youth group that, where for the first time I was seeing teenagers who wanted to pursue God and their relationship with Him instead of dating and guys, which was all that I had known. I would totally give myself over to a relationship. And um, so that was really attractive to me. And, and I decided to jump on the bandwagon and um, learn how to pursue Jesus. And um, and then when I got into my sophomore year, I found that those old poles were really strong. And I was living this dual life where I was messing around with guys after school and leading a Bible study on campus in the mornings. So I, I wanted God, but I, I also just couldn't shake the world and those those things that were so familiar to me. Um, and I continued kind of that journey. I'd, I'd run really close to Jesus or with Jesus, and then I'd fall back into my, my normal and all throughout high school. And I met my would-be husband uh, as a senior in high school, and he pined after me and waited for me for a couple of years while I realized, took time to realize he was into me. And then we met and got married. I was 19 and he was 20, and he was a Marine. And we journeyed off into the world of the Marine Corps and moving around and uh, had a, just I would say, a pretty normal marriage. We were into each other and we were just living life and he deployed right away and I was a brand new married girl trying to figure out life on my own with a deployed uh, husband and um, he got to experience some freedom from some of his struggles while he was on his first deployment, kind of working toward moving closer to Christ. Um, and we, yeah, we just, we worked through a couple of things early on in our marriage, but I think we're still pretty young and, um, didn't really have solid understanding of how to read the Bible or pursue God. And, um, and, individually or together but we we had some uh, christians coming around us and helping us here and there and um and then it, a few years into our marriage uh, we ended up in tucson arizona um, at calvary christian fellowship and um that's where we started to realize that the bible was something that could be understood and um really honestly it became uh, like 
food to us. We couldn't get enough of it. And um, while being a part of Calvary Christian Fellowship, we started to get to know some folks who were involved in Running Light Ministries. And both my husband and I have struggled in our own ways with lust and bringing that into the marriage um, and hurting each other with that. And so Running Light really just, I think, called out to us as a place where people talk about the things that we struggle with. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, I, I got inva- involved, like I said, a few years back and um, was leading a group um, for women who struggle with issues of lust. It, it was the, the women's purity group. And um, it was awesome to just get with, with women. This isn't a topic that the church likes to talk about period, which Bethy and I are going to get into (laughs) for sure. Um, But even more so, women aren't allowed to talk about our struggles with lust. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that was a really neat space um, to be able to get with girls and talk uh, through our issues of lust and how to pursue Christ instead. Um, So that's at least the beginning of how I got into Running Light. And I'll I'll share more as we go along. But Bethany, what about you? Um, So... For me, I got connected with Running Light um, probably about three to five years into my marriage. And like Katie, um, was similar in that I married young. I got married at 20. Um, and um, sort of Katie and I both have similar stories in that um, we both knew Christ at a young age, but continued to struggle with um, lust and just um kind of finding value in guys um and um so I have a similar story in that in high school um just lots of unhealthy relationships lots of um sexual experiences before I was married um and um and so when I did get married I kind of took that trajectory into my marriage thinking it was normal Um, not really realizing that a lot of it was very pornified um, and very unhealthy um, and really just not the fullness of what God has for a marriage and a life. Um, And uh, I think over the course of those sort of early years, things became more apparent, um, like the seriousness of them, um, where my husband was at, where I was at. um, And he in particular really struggled with um, just lust and pornography and, um, and there were some things, um, even outside of that, that he struggled with as well. Um, and, um, and we kind of eventually got to a place where, um, the marriage was dissolving and, um, he wasn't sure that he wanted to be together anymore. Um, and, and I was, I think, sort of wrecked in that, in the sense that, uh, I'd made this person my world, you know. Um, so um, by happenstance, um, which we know is not happenstance, we know is the grace of God, I um, was connected to Katie, and Katie connected me to Running Light, my husband and I to Running Light, and um, and it really was um, like a lifeboat, you know, in the middle of the ocean, so to speak. Um, and we got help, and... Um, really just a lot of support and love um, and the resources that we needed to sort of overcome these areas of sin and struggle. Um, And it was a process. Um, It still is a process of 
um, healing and growing and becoming free. Um, but our marriage is um, restored. We have a child together. Um, and we've been married for, I think it'll be 13 or 14 years this year. Um, we've come a very long way mm-hmm. since those early years. So praise God for that. Um, yeah, so that's kind of how I got involved in Running Light as well. Running Light Ministry, just so that people have some sort of an idea um, what we do and what Running Light has to offer as far as resources to the community. Um, for me, um, I run the women's group, which is for wives or women or people um, um, that have been hurt by their partner's um, struggles with lust or infidelity. Um, and we have a monthly meeting um, that we do where we spend time together in the Word, kind of talking and working through some of those issues that can come up um, when there's been woundedness. Um, and then we just spend time looking at Jesus too and um, being in His Word and being it together. Um, and similarly, like Katie said, one of the real blessings of this ministry is that um, there's a space to sort of talk about the things that aren't talked about in the church. Um, and so it's just really beautiful and kind of raw and open um, and safe. Um, it's a confidential group, so um, everything that is said there stays there. Um, and I find in running the group that there's a lot of women that just find so much solace in um, being known by other women and having a space to kind of share that. So, um, what about you, Katie? Yeah, and that information is going to be on our website too if you're interested in coming to that group. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so my role, um, like I said, I was involved um, four years ago, but we moved up to the Pacific Northwest and just got back to the desert a few months ago. So I'm getting involved again as the Lord leads, and my heart is so excited to support this ministry. And um, so one of the things that I am doing now is being involved in this podcast mm-hmm. with Bethany and uh, I've been asked and am humbled and excited to teach at our first Mm -hmm. Better Pleasure service on February 23rd, Sunday at 4 Mm o'clock. So I'll be teaching on, um, yeah, that Jesus is our better pleasure, more so than the mistakes or the temptations that we find ourselves making or being drawn toward. Um, So come on out for that for sure. Mm -hmm. But yeah. All right. So we wanted to try and get into a little bit of a Bible study. Right. And as we do so, our heart is to be honest and be vulnerable with you guys about what's going on in our world, Mm -hmm. past, present, Mm -hmm. future, um, and also dig into the Word together. Mm -hmm. We don't want to just talk at you and then have you go away and be like, cool, well, I know a lot about Bethany and Katie, but I don't know anything about Jesus. Mm -hmm. Uh, He's the best. So so let's jump in. Yes. Okay, so I'm going to be reading from Genesis chapter 16. It says, Now Sarai, Abraham's wife, had borne him no children. She had a female Egyptian servant whose name was Hagar. And Sarai said to Abram, Behold now, the Lord has prevented me from bearing children. Go into my servant. It may be that I shall obtain children by her. And Abram listened to the voice of Sarai. 
So after Abram had lived 10 years in the land of Canaan, Sarai, Abram's wife, took Hagar, the Egyptian, her servant, and gave her to Abram, her husband, as a wife. And he went into Hagar, and she conceived. And when she saw that she had conceived, she looked with contempt on her mistress. And Sarai said to Abram, May the wrong done to me be on you. I gave my servant to your embrace. And when she saw that she had conceived, she looked on me with contempt. May the Lord judge between you and me. But Abram said to Sarai, Behold, your servant is in your power. Do to her as you please. Then Sarai dealt harshly with her, and she fled from her. The angel of the Lord found her by a spring of water in the wilderness, the spring on the way to Shur. And he said, Hagar, servant of Sarai, where have you come from and where are you going? She said, I am fleeing from my mistress Sarai. The angel of the Lord said to her, return to your mistress and submit to her. The angel of the Lord also said to her, I will surely multiply your offspring so that they cannot be numbered for multitude. And the angel of the Lord said to her, Behold, you are pregnant and shall bear a son. You shall call his name Ishmael, because the Lord has listened to your affliction. He shall be a wild donkey of a man, his hand against everyone, and everyone's hand against him, and he shall dwell over against all his kinsmen. So she called the name of the Lord who spoke to her, You are a God of seeing. For she said, Truly here I have seen him who looks after me. Awesome. Thanks, Bethany. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so um, I just wanted to share with you guys some of the things that stood out to me, and uh, Bethany's going to do the same. And Mm -hmm. um, So let's get into it. So we wanted to also talk about a little bit of the backstory. Um, Abram had some really neat things uh, happen between him and the Lord in the previous couple of chapters. In chapter 14, we see, excuse me, um, uh, actually I think it starts with chapter 12. Um, In chapter 12, he's promised for the first time descendants uh, without number. Um, And again in 13, and that word in the original language literally means seed Hmm. so we're already right off the bat the lord is promising from his body Mm -hmm. um, not from any other means so in chapter 12 he's promised the descendants again in chapter 13 chapter 15 i find some i think something really notable is the lord the god of everything personally says to abram i am your exceedingly great reward Mm -hmm. which is something i think we all ought to circle even in our hearts Mm -hmm. of just um like we've said many times and will say many times he is our great reward Mm -hmm. he is the better pleasure and so i i saw in that the lord setting up this not only the promise, I will give you from your seed great descendants, but know, Abram, that I am your great reward. Mm-hmm. And then in uh, cha- uh, verse 4 and 5, again, is a promise from, for seed. Uh, and then in chapter 15, verses 17 and 18, God makes a covenant with Abram, which is in itself a phenomenal study. Mm-hmm. We may or may not get into one day. Mm-hmm. Um, but in that covenant... God does all the work. Mm-hmm. Uh, he puts Abram to sleep mm-hmm. so that it's really only on God mm-hmm. to fulfill this covenant. Mm-hmm. Um, but he says to Abram in that section, to your seed I have given. Mm-hmm. 
So again, just this promise or or maybe a single promise, but consistent reminder. Mm -hmm. Um, So what is that? Four or five, six times within the space of a few chapters, Mm -hmm. um, which could have been multiple years in Abram's life. But the Lord was not weak to um, remind him. Mm -hmm. Or reassure him. And reassure him. Yeah. And I, I remember when I was reading this passage sort of being or I guess connecting with Abram's struggle to have faith and sort of believe um, in the promises of God. And I think, um, you know, if if you're a woman that's sort of in that place where you've been wounded and you're wondering, you know, what could God do with my life? um, It's easy to sort of feel despondent um, and wonder or um, kind of sit down in that sometimes. and what I, I find great comfort in this passage is that God is so willing to reassure. Um, and not just once, many times, again and again and again and again. Mm-hmm. I had a, a gal in my life use that phrase that mm-hmm. God is a reassuring God mm-hmm. and uh, an affirming God. Mm-hmm. And that can be hard to believe, but it's true. And mm-hmm. we see it right here in this passage mm-hmm. that he was happy to tell Abram over and over, I have a promise for you. Mm-hmm. Yes, and a plan for your life. Mm-hmm. Whether you see it yet or not. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that's a little bit of Abram, where he's coming from at this point in the story. Um, and then Sarai, his wife, uh, she hasn't been mentioned a ton up until chapter 16. Uh, but uh, she she is aware of God's promise to Abram, as we see even in our passage. She you may already know, but it was definitely uh, not cool in their culture to not be able to bear children. Mm-hmm. So she was carrying a ton of shame and uh, who knows what the waterhole chats were like mm-hmm. where women just looked her up and down with disdain because she couldn't she couldn't bear children for mm-hmm. her husband. She couldn't carry on that name and mm-hmm. just carrying around all of those false identity mm-hmm. remarks mm-hmm. Um, and pressures pressures and being i think really i imagine her being very heavy Mm -hmm. under the weight of Mm -hmm. failure Mm -hmm. in her life and not enough Mm -hmm. which i think both bethy and i could speak to Mm -hmm. uh, growing up in high school and looking for that um enough Mm -hmm. from a man Mm -hmm. and being willing to take and receive the lies Mm -hmm. because of it Mm -hmm. so here's so that's a little bit about Sarai and Abram, and we come to chapter 16 where, like Bethy said, she's despondent. She's mm-hmm. she's she's done believing. Mm-hmm. Maybe she always struggled mm-hmm. to believe what God told Abram, but she's at the point where I don't believe anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, Let's and, find a solution. Mm-hmm. Yep, I'm gonna I'm gonna take it into my own hands. Right, and she comes up with one that culturally was pretty acceptable. Mm-hmm. It was never okay to the Lord. Right, his heart was never to use this solution. Mm-hmm. Um, Sarah said, hey, I've got this other chick. Why don't you use her? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I I think, too, just speaking to that, um, for for wives or women, um, like if your husband is struggling with lust or pornography or infidelity um, and you've found out about that, it's super easy to find yourself in a place where you're trying to figure out ways to control the situation. Mm-hmm. Um, and, like, how can I, you know, get the result that I want and taking things into your hands. Um, that was certainly my story was taking my life into my hands 
And um, we sort of see, you know, as the story unfolds, that um, taking things into our own hands is not a good idea. <laughs> no, it causes more pain mm-hmm. for everyone. Right. Um, and I would even say I could identify with that in my story, too, that the yearning I had to be seen, mm-hmm. which is a hallmark of this story. Mm -hmm. We are learning about the God who sees, but Mm -hmm. growing up, I wanted to be seen so much and seen with loving eyes. Mm -hmm. And instead of sitting before the one who sees, Mm -hmm. I went and figured it out with someone else Mm -hmm. and it just causes pain Mm -hmm. and it's lame. Mm -hmm. Um, But God is a redeeming God. Yes. So she, she brings up Hagar, and uh, Hagar does her duty as she is a servant to Sarai, and she goes and sleeps with her husband. I remember you and I talking about this years ago, um, about imagining, like, because they lived in tents mm-hmm. without insulated thick walls yeah (laughs) and we talked about how radical would that have been for sarai that night or that morning or whatever Mm -hmm. to just be listening Mm -hmm. to her husband Mm -hmm. and i know that even i feel i feel like even that idea could really prick some hearts Mm -hmm. who are listening to this right now Mm -hmm. um and both bethy and i know Mm -hmm. the pain of um our beloved looking Mm -hmm. at another Mm -hmm. and and knowing another Mm -hmm. in one form Mm -hmm. um through pornography mm-hmm. um and my husband knows the pain of me have having engaged in infidelity mm-hmm. so um those that's just a very real moment mm-hmm. and i know one of the things we love about scripture and is a heart of running light is to see the reality mm-hmm. of these people yeah definitely and even um i think about um Hagar too. I mean, I know culturally that this was acceptable, but we don't, I mean, I don't get any sort of, you know, how old she is here or anything like that. But I mean, culturally, I think they were using young girls, you Mm -hmm. know, to, um, bear children. Um, and if this is her first experience, she's, she doesn't have another husband. Um, I don't know, just, I feel like maybe it wasn't, you know, violating to her, but I imagine that, you know, this whole not being able to be in control of your own life and sort of having this thing done to you, Mm -hmm. you know, and even that, like I can connect with in this part of the story where um, there's things that happen in life and you just, you don't have any control over um, the wrecking, you know, Mm -hmm. that they cause. Um, and and then as we continue to read, you know, all of the harshness that comes from that enmity and jealousy and, um, you know, seemingly because it's just, it's sort of funny that, you know, it's Sarah's idea and then she's so angry. Mm-hmm. She's so miffed. <laughs> but that's, mm-hmm. I mean, that's who we are. Mm-hmm. Like we come up with an idea we think is going to be the solution, but it's outside of our loving father's plan. Mm-hmm. And then we get pissed mm-hmm. at the outcome right. because we're sinners. Yeah. And <laughs> yes. um, but yeah, absolutely. I, I think that that's a beautiful thing to consider Hagar in mm-hmm. this uh, in this story and just what what her life was like in this moment. And 
And then it says she became proud mm-hmm. and looked at Sarai with de- contempt mm-hmm. and despised her. Mm-hmm. So now all of a sudden this authority shift has occurred because culturally, mm-hmm. if you could bear children, you were. Mm-hmm. You're the boss. You're the boss. Yeah. <laughs> and and mm-hmm. yeah. And even as Bethany was reading it, it's so true. It's kind of hard not to smile or laugh when Sarai says, my wrong upon you. Like, mm-hmm. I made this decision, but darn it yeah it's your fault you know like um and totally both bethany i can can attest to that in our marriages post confession with Mm -hmm. our men confessing to pornography and wanting to find healing Mm -hmm. and yet it's a process Mm -hmm. and it's a bumpy road and when as we all do they stumble again or we stumble again um it's really it's tempting to not be you know like man Ah, you did this you did it again you know Mm -hmm. or even though this was a way that i thought i could control the situation Mm -hmm. you Mm -hmm. and um so i just find solace in that Mm -hmm. like the bible's full of people like me (laughs) (laughs) yes um and so all right so let's move on uh so abraham says to sarai verse six indeed your maid is in your hand do to her as you please and sarai dealt harshly with her so hagar fled from her presence so this is just sort of the the lull in the story of Mm. man the destruction has happened she Mm. conceived she was given over to this guy she conceived there was enmity Mm -hmm. and now she's out Mm -hmm. and like holy moly i mean being kicked out of a camp and you're pregnant like talk about um destitute Mm -hmm. you know and I mean, I don't know um, geographically like where this happened or, you know, if there was other places that she could have returned to, but that's not what happens in the story. She ends up in the middle of nowhere, mm-hmm. you know, and even that like in running the women's group, I see women that are so afraid to um, let go of their husbands because it's become this financial provision place it's a safeguard you know um it's a place where uh maybe there's no jesus anymore but there's an economic safety you know um and and i i just kind of love that part of this story that she's destitute you know she's pregnant which both Katie and I have been pregnant now and it is a it's a fragile condition to Mm -hmm. find yourself in um with no help you know Mm -hmm. um in the middle of nowhere with essentially no food no water you know no animals to carry your stuff Mm -hmm. um no stuff to have like no uh, culture no people yeah nobody checking in on you to see how you feel today mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah and even that like i feel like symbolically that's something that we can connect to whether it's that we're struggling with lust and we find you know that we're just sort of alone in that space you know struggling um in a space that's unseen by others and kind of removed from others um or we've been hurt and nobody sees and nobody gets it and um i i remember there's a psalm i'll have to see if i can find it but um it's something like i look to the right and to the left and no one takes notice of me Mm -hmm. but you are my portion forever Mm -hmm. you know and um and really um i think in either circumstance whether you're a person that's struggling with lust or you're a person that's been hurt by the lust and the bondage of your beloved 
there there is a sort of wilderness place yes. that comes out of that um and ultimately i feel like what you see in the bible over and over again is that the wilderness is a place of encounter mm-hmm. and it is mm-hmm. it is verse 7 says now the angel of the lord found her mm-hmm. By a spring of water in the wilderness, by the spring on the way to Shur. And it makes me think of that he leads us beside still waters. Mm-hmm. And Hagar was an Egyptian, mm-hmm. so she wasn't even a part of God's chosen people. Mm-hmm. She was somehow purchased or taken as a slave to, mm-hmm. to Sarai and then used as a sex trafficking slave. <laughs> uh, and then here she is. Yeah, she finds herself out in the wilderness. And, and yet the angel of the Lord found her mm-hmm. um we uh so god is the great pursuer mm-hmm. he finds us mm-hmm. we run away mm-hmm. we are prone to wander as mm-hmm. the wonderful hymn says mm-hmm. um, whether we know him or not she may not have been attempting to follow god in mm-hmm. any way or mm-hmm. know the god of the israelites mm-hmm. um but he found her mm-hmm. he knows hagar by name mm-hmm. He says to her, Hagar, Sarai's maid, he knows who she is. He knows who we are. Mm-hmm. In those wilderness places, it is a place of encounter, mm-hmm. um, sometimes in the most incredible ways, because truly he's our only. Mm-hmm. He's the only one who really sees. David mm-hmm. said, Lord, against you and you only have I sinned. Mm-hmm. Um, and totally, we hurt each other with our sin. But mm-hmm. there's that understanding that, man, it's God only mm-hmm. that we're really ultimately completely in relationship with mm-hmm. he's the one who sees and so it is it's so it's so beautiful he said to her hagar where are you going where have you come from mm-hmm. and that makes me um remember the garden mm-hmm. too um when he said to adam where are you mm-hmm. god knows mm-hmm but he loves relationship mm-hmm. and he loves to call to us and have us speak to him mm-hmm. and respond and give us space. He's the God of infinity. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he says to this young Egyptian slave who's been mistreated, mm-hmm. where are you going, babe? Mm-hmm. Where are you coming from? Mm-hmm. I want to know you. Mm-hmm. I do know you. Mm-hmm. Um, and so she speaks. And um, so this, as a side note, this angel of the Lord is commonly understood to be an appearance of Jesus in the Old Testament called a theophany or a Christophany. And I was researching and haven't quite discovered. So if you know, you're welcome to post a comment. But I, this might be the only woman who has um, an experience like this in the Old Testament who got to see a Christophany or a theophany, which is just pretty rad that mm-hmm. God chooses Hagar, mm-hmm. this little Egyptian servant mm-hmm. to show up to. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the angel of the Lord said to her, verse 9, return to your mistress and submit yourself under her hand. Then the angel of the Lord said, I will multiply your descendants exceedingly so that they shall not be counted for multitude. And again, the angel of the Lord said to her, behold, you are with child. He sees mm-hmm. and you shall bear a son. He promises. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And you shall call his name Ishmael, which means God hears, Mm. because the Lord has heard your affliction. He shall be a wild man, and everybody's going to not like him. He's not going (laughs) to like everybody. (laughs) But that's a little bit of a bummer part. But then we wrap up with verse 13. Then she called the name of the Lord, who spoke to her, You are the God who sees. For she said, Have I also here seen him who sees me? 
So again, as a Bible student of the Bible, which is just so fun, she says um, she called the name of the Lord, and that capital L-O-R-D is um, the name of God, Mm Y-H-W-H. So it's an an explanation right here in the text itself that this angel of the Lord was not just an angel. It was God himself Mm -hmm. who showed up to speak to Hagar. Uh, And then she calls him by the name Mm -hmm. El-Roi. You are the God who sees. Um, And, you know, it's beautiful. I mean, we could could probably spend another hour looking at just this last section, but to touch on just maybe two more things that stuck out to me, return to your mistress and submit, he said. Mm -hmm. And I know that um, both Bethy and I have had that time. Mm where we don't want to return Mm -hmm. (laughs) to the hubby and Mm -hmm. especially submit. Mm -hmm. Um, Sarah, I was in the wrong. Mm -hmm. Our husbands have been in the wrong. Mm -hmm. And yet we know as women who want to follow Jesus and uh, live lives according to the Bible that we're to um, honor our husband's roles Mm -hmm. uh, in our homes Mm -hmm. and uh, serve together with them Mm -hmm. and um, let them lead us at mm-hmm. times. And that's a, been a really hard space. Maybe we'll get into more in, yeah. in the future. But but the Lord um, is always good and always right. Mm-hmm. And so it's good and right for Hagar to return mm-hmm. and submit. Yeah. And I think, you know, too, in, in you saying that, there's women in the group that there's nothing to return to, you know. Um, or um, returning is not what the Lord is calling them to do. And so I think sort of what I take away from this story is that the Lord is the one that's speaking and telling her what she needs to do. And it's so important wherever you are on this journey to be seeking the Lord's heart for your life um, and seeking what His will is um, in His Word, in community, and knowing and being known by wise counsel, mm-hmm. um, and um, not to just do this alone um i i have like a of just a few memories where you know i can see people and they're just alone and you know well the lord told me that i you know i'm supposed to do this and it's like well where does it say that in the word mm-hmm. and is your godly counsel agreeing with yes, that um and um and so uh, it's important when we do have these places of encounter that um, those encounters match up with what the Lord says about Himself in His Word. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, that's sort of what I I find so sweet about it is that God is a personal God mm-hmm. and He has a word and a plan and um, a relationship. He wants to have a relationship with each of us and He knows what's best for every life. Um, And sometimes what he's calling us to do is not easy. Um, I can't imagine that going back would have been easy Mm -mm. um, or pleasant, Um, but there was a reward. And sometimes the reward is, it's unseen. You know, it may not even be seen in this life. Mm -hmm. Um, Just looking at Jesus um, and letting a life lived for him be truly the place of joy Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. yeah he is the exceedingly great reward Mm -hmm. and i thanks for that clarification because both of our husbands were um repentant Mm -hmm. and that's a huge 
difference mm-hmm. in if you're dealing with a partner, man or woman, who's not repentant or sorrowful mm-hmm. or seeking to fight uh, and um, return, mm-hmm. then that's a totally different story. Yes. So uh, we don't want to put a yoke yes. on you uh, out there. So thank you for that. Yeah, no problem. Yeah. And then finally, uh, one of the last pieces that really hit me was when she calls God, you are the God who sees. Then, and I have New King James, uh, it says, have I also here seen him who sees me? Mm-hmm. Uh, ooh, that just brings tears to my eyes because um, it's about seeing Jesus. Mm-hmm. Um, all I want for me and for Bethany and for every single one of us is to be able to see Jesus. What better thing? She's out in the middle of nowhere. A lot of us mamas and daddies think that our our babies are the most precious thing and she's with child and maybe that's super sweet for her. But she gets to see Jesus. Mm-hmm. And and I I feel like she's blown away. Have I here seen him who sees me mm-hmm. as an Egyptian girl, slave, not a part of the chosen people. Have I seen God? Mm-hmm. He chose me to show up to? Mm-hmm. Oh, that's just, that is our God of intimacy and mm-hmm. our God of relationship mm-hmm. and love. God mm-hmm. is love, mm-hmm. First John says, mm-hmm. and that he would love her so that he would show up, mm-hmm. be seen, mm-hmm. and know her and communicate to her, I see you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it makes me think of that passage. I think it's John 15, um, where it says something like, um, that my people may be with me mm-hmm. where I am, um, and that God's heart is to be with us, to be known. Um, and He does see us um, wherever you are, wherever you're going, wherever you've been. He sees you. Mm-hmm. Thanks for joining us, guys. We're just going to close out in prayer. Mm-hmm. God, thank you so much for this time. Father, thank you for your love and plan um, and that you are ever working to find us, to see us, and to restore us. We love you, God. Bless those who are listening. Mm -hmm. Help them see you who sees them. Amen. Amen.